We're continuing through the book of Luke today and spending time in what's a wonderfully relevant, but, but also a very confronting and challenging passage for our times. It's a passage with a wide-sweeping scope as Jesus talks with his disciples about temples, persecution, wars, famines, plagues, signs and wonders in the heavens, and the glorious coming of the Son of Man. Some parts of this passage are quite specific to a particular time and place, while other sections seem more broad and, and more cosmic in scope. But as we come and consider these words of Jesus spoken many years ago, let us pray that we might come away with a deeper appreciation of how to understand and respond to the times that we live in. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we consider these words of Jesus, as we think about the world that we live in and the, the troubles we see around us, that you would help us to see clearly through your eyes. May you give us wisdom, clarity and confidence. Amen. Summer is drawing near. The days are growing longer and warmer. Green shoots are beginning to sprout again on barren branches. Hay fever returns with the barrage of pollens and grasses filling the air. Colours and bees and butterflies and aromas fill our senses and tell us summer is on its way. And so we respond in kind, clearing the gardens and mowing the lawns in preparation for new growth. We change over the wardrobes as we prepare for warmer weather, putting aside the jackets and the coats. We clear the gutters and the debris from the sides of the house for bushfire season. We know the signs of the seasons well. Jesus uses this kind of image in our passage today. But this passage is not about knowing what the weather is doing. It's about knowing what period of human history we live in and recognising the signs and the patterns of this time. And just as it would be troubling for a person to misread the seasons and start wearing jackets in the middle of summer, so we need to understand the times we live in so we can respond with wisdom. But what are these signs of this season of human history? Well, Jesus' words might be a little surprising to us. As the disciples walk along through the temple with Jesus, he points to the temple and its destruction. He points to the suffering and the persecution they will personally experience. He points to cosmic events and ongoing patterns of wars and famines and plagues. And he says, these are the signs of the season. Understand when and where you live so that you might live well in the present and be prepared for what is to come. Well, one of the keys to this passage is to understand that Luke frames this whole conversation around the temple building. Look at the questions the disciples asked after Jesus says that the temple will be thrown down. When will the temple be destroyed, they asked, and how will we know when it's going to happen? Of course, for the disciples, the idea of the temple being destroyed and thrown down would have been terrifying. 
It meant invasion, fighting, armies and bloodshed and God's judgment. It would have reminded them of exile when King Nebuchadnezzar looted the temple. It would have reminded them of more recent times when the temple was desecrated by foreign invading rulers. Perhaps the disciples wanted to know when this would happen so they could make sure they weren't there when it did. And in verses 8 to 11, Jesus responds to their questions and speaks about the temple. And he says, don't worry, you've got time. The temple's not going to be destroyed straight away. There'll be numerous people claiming to be the Messiah with revolts and uprisings. Nations will be at war. There will be diseases and famines around the known world. These things don't mean that the temple's destruction is imminent. But then in verse 20, a little later on, Jesus says, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know it is about to be destroyed. Of course, this was exactly what happened in 70 AD when future Roman Emperor Titus besieged the city and about one million people were killed. And so the horrific description in verses 20 to 24, they're really not an exaggeration. The fall of Jerusalem was more catastrophic for Israel than any single event before it, perhaps even exile. In this passage, Jesus also drops another bombshell on his disciples. While they might be worried about the temple's destruction, Jesus says they have more pressing challenges ahead. In verses 12 to 19, Jesus describes how each of them will suffer, how they'll be betrayed and they'll die for their faith. They'll be brought before authorities and questioned and punished, Yet God will be with them, giving them the words to say and, say and the strength to stand firm. The first century really was a very difficult time for God's people. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what lies ahead. So, first and foremost, this passage is about the immediate first century context that they live in. These words are directed to the group of disciples to prepare them for the days ahead. There's no coded message or secret agenda for us to discover in Jesus' words here. He's explaining to them that life is going to be tough, but that God will be with them. But this passage isn't only for the disciples. In fact, Jesus sees us living in the same age or season as the disciples. And so the experiences of first century Christians are not a one-off outlying time of trouble. They are a prototype for what life will be like in this season of life. They're a pattern of the events that will feature over and over again until the Son of Man comes in a cloud with power and glory. This whole time period from then until Jesus' return will be marked by wars and judgment and trouble and persecution. And so it's quite natural in this passage that Jesus shifts from talking about events in the immediate first century context to cosmic patterns that will continue right through to today and beyond. 
So, so look at verses 25 to 28. These verses are full of language from the Old Testament that is commonly used to speak of judgment. And we heard some of these verses in our Old Testament reading from Daniel today. The language is not very specific, but it refers to all kinds of events that will shake the world as we know it. And these signs might refer to natural phenomena such as eclipses and floods and earthquakes, but also includes wars and persecution and famines and plagues. Jesus is being intentionally non-specific and using apocalyptic metaphorical language. It's quite different language from the earlier parts of this passage. And the point Jesus is making is that the temple's destruction is just a first taste. The time we live in will be a troubled time as we await the return of our King in glory. Now, there'll be good times too, of course, times of peace and prosperity, but such times won't last forever until this season ends and the summer of God's kingdom comes in full. This passage paints a pretty sobering picture of our times. But Jesus is building in his disciples a confidence for what lies ahead. Not some false confidence based on empty promises, but a a confidence that is built on the real faithfulness of God. Look at verses 27 to 28. It reads, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus points them forward to a day when the Son of Man, when Jesus will return in glory and judgment to put the world right. Our response to these times of trouble, Jesus says, is not to look like our world become weighed down with fear and anxiety or to turn to seek the illusionary pleasures of the moment, but to stand up tall with our heads raised high because Jesus is King now And he is coming again to set things right. In Matthew and Mark's version of this story, Jesus describes these troubles as birth pains. These troubles are not the death pangs of a doomed world, but birth pains that anticipate the redemption of all things. Jesus' words have deep significance for us today, I think. And I want to suggest three things for us to consider in response to his words. Firstly, Jesus encourages us to have a realistic picture of the times that we live in. We live in a world that wants to believe the human race is progressing towards something spectacular. For a long time now, we we have in Australia lived with a very optimistic view of the world we live in. We have been comfortable, safe and happy. But then times of trouble come and we don't know what to do. We quickly become anxious. This isn't how things were meant to be. This isn't how I wanted to spend two years of my life. What's going on? How do we make sense of all this? The truth is that we have been living in a Western bubble 
sheltered from the troubles that plague our history and other parts of the world daily. We've lulled ourselves into thinking tragedy and trouble can be avoided. And as a result, as a society, we lack resilience and we've adopted this flimsy worldview that's unable to cope with life when things go wrong. We need to hear these words of Jesus. These times we live in are going to be marked by trouble. Don't be surprised when the world is wrong. Jesus doesn't try to sugarcoat the coming ordeals that the disciples will face. He doesn't try to sugarcoat the times of trouble that lie ahead for the world. He is brutally honest so that when such times do come, we will remember his words and respond with wisdom, clarity and confidence. Secondly, Jesus challenges us to shift our perspective on troubled times. The the way we interpret times of trouble has a significant impact on how we respond. Perhaps we see times of trouble as a nuisance or an inconvenience, a, a glitch in an otherwise pretty perfect world that we just need to get through and everything will be rosy again. Or perhaps we approach these times with great fear, anxious about the ongoing effect they will have on our future. Perhaps we give in to anxiety and find ourselves wondering if if the world is doomed and if life will ever be good again. Maybe we're just overwhelmed by the divisive conversations and the blame games and the confusion and we just don't know what to think. But what if we were to understand these times of trouble as the groans of a world longing for renewal? John McLean referred to the lion, the witch and the wardrobe last week where the white witch's endless winter begins to be melted by Aslan's thaw. Listen to how C.S. Lewis describes it. Every moment the patches of green grew bigger and the patches of snow grew smaller. Every moment more and more of the trees shook off their robes of snow. Soon the mist turned from white to gold and presently cleared away altogether. Shafts of delicious sunlight struck down onto the forest floor and overhead you could see a blue sky between the treetops. Jesus challenges us to see the times of trouble around us as a world caught up in winter crying out for summer to come. When wars bring pointless death to our world. When plagues cause horrific chaos and sickness. When people are killed for their faith and famine grips the land our wintry world is crying out for the sun and whenever god's people respond with wisdom and love and grace a tree shakes off its robe of snow as god's kingdom breaks into the present jesus calls us to look up and live in these times with hope because we know he is king now We know he is coming. We know he is with us always. Finally, Jesus invites us to live in the present with our heads up, not cast down. Jesus describes what it looks like to respond to trouble with our heads cast down in in verse 34. He says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life 
and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. When I'm anxious and afraid, my response is to huddle up and and turn inward. To turn my attention to my own needs and, and, and simply live for the moment. It's a coping mechanism of sorts. And as a community too, times of trouble have the potential to divide us, to raise our blood pressure and cause us to point the finger in anger. To cause us to quickly judge others before listening. But Jesus invites us to another way. Rather than fighting against or withdrawing from our present circumstances, he invites us to accept the time we are in and to live in this present moment with our heads raised up, looking to the season that's coming. But what might that look like? Let me share a couple of examples. I had at Winmalee Church, a lady from our church put up some envelopes on the church fence that invite children to take some colouring books and activities for their enjoyment. It's been amazing to see the ways in in which such a small gesture has been received with thankfulness from the community. It's a simple act that says we are not going to turn inwards, but look outwards because we are secure in God's arms. Around our churches, meals have been cooked for neighbours. Time and energy has been given as people walk and support one another. People have chosen to respond to differences of opinion by listening to one another and seeking unity and peace. People have prayed and turned to God's word for hope and comfort. Random acts of kindness have brought joy to our communities in the last two years. These are small examples of people choosing to confront times of trouble with their eyes looking up, secure that the Son of Man is coming again to set things right. They are acts of generosity, grace, love, unity and compassion. They are acts born of hope, not fear. How else might we live with our heads raised up in the weeks and months ahead? In verse 33, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This world we live in will shift and change. The future will include times of peace and times of trouble. As good as God's creation is, and it is wonderful, our hope isn't in this world providing for us our every need and desire. It never can and it never will as long as it's broken by sin. But our hope and solid rock lies in the eternal words and promises of God. Come what may, our God is with us. So let us pray and ask God to help us live in this present moment with our heads held high, bringing a tangible taste of God's kingdom to our neighbours, even as we long for his kingdom to come. Let's pray. Lord God, your world is so good and we have so much to be thankful for. Yet this is a troubled world, and we have had a taste of that lately. It's a world where wars and fighting and evil has a hand. A world that is broken by sin. A world that is groaning for summer to come. 
and Lord God, as people who have tasted the first fruits of the summer of your kingdom. May you help us to be people who see the world through your eyes. Help us to have a realistic picture of this world, of this season we live in. Shift our perspective that we might see these times of trouble as times of of groaning, longing for your kingdom to come in full. And may you teach us to live with our heads held up high, confident and wise as we seek to live your ways and live out your kingdom to our neighbours. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.